The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. You can talk bad about my wife, and I might be okay with it, and we can get by with it. Or you can talk bad about my truck, or my equipment, or my gear. Man, don't talk smack about my dog. There's always something to debate or argue in the dog world, but there's this one thing that's not up for debate. All hunters and dog hunters know you need the right gear, not just for yourself, but for your dogs as well. Conkey's Outdoors Hound and Hunting Supply is your number one source for all things hound related. Conkey's is owned and operated by true houndsmen themselves. They've got you covered no matter the game you're chasing, from hog hunting, bear hunting, and even gator hunting. Bird dog guys don't feel left out either. They have whatever you need, whether it's training collars, tracking collars, boots, chaps, vests, coats, and more. No matter what you and your dog needs to have a successful hunt, check out conkeysoutdoors.com and they'll get you on the right track. Purchases over $100 gets you free shipping and enter GDIY5 to save 5%. And if you're a Patreon patron, you get to save even more money. So be sure to check out Conkeys Outdoors. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. This is Nick and Joe coming at me with a uh, scraggly beard and uh, tired voice, it sounds like. <laughs> is it going pretty rough over there, it sounds like, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it was a rough weekend, man. Yeah. Nothing to do with the new baby. Just, you know, Florida somehow lost to your beloved LSU Tigers. I don't even know if you <laughs> knew that they were playing a game. Dude. That's how That's how the LSU season's going for you guys. Man, honestly, this year have not. I haven't had time nor a care about college football. Like I, I really haven't. Uh, I haven't had time to go hunting, let alone watch football. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's what you get. So there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, See, I, uh, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of glued to the couch because I got little man with me, and you know, our our plan right now is just not to wake him up. So if that means I got to watch football <laughs> for a couple hours, then that's kind of how it is. Oh shucks! I know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. We, let's try and keep this intro short because uh, again, me and uh, Scott kind of rambled on for a little while this week. It, episode went a little longer, but it, it, it's a fun one. So we had one uh, one topic in mind, and then we kind of got to drink a beer, busted out a little bit of ugly dog there at the end, and of there course, we go. Be- beer topics. And we're like, you know what? Let's just turn on the mics to talk about this. It's uh, it, it's do the training methods that we currently use, have they gotten so efficient? Do they kind of overshadow some genetic shortcomings? 
Interesting. So it's kind, yeah, so it's kind of a touchy subject, you know. We might get some get some hate mail after this one, but uh, direct know, them I'm, to Scott Cald- Caldwell. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, I've had this conversation numerous people are uh, tailgates training days, so it's a common uh, common topic of discussion. But uh, I think me and Scott, it, it's a fun fun deal. You know, we we kind of came at it from a bunch of different angles, and at the end, we finally hit on all the details for the training camp uh, in April. So Very if you're interested cool. in that, you need to make sure that you stick around and catch all the details uh, if you're interested. Yeah, I know it's I know it's pretty limited, and I know we already got people signing up. I know you talk about yep. it a little bit in the podcast, but yep. Hey, and I think uh, Patreon patrons got a be- better deal on it. They did, but so, just the first ten patrons. So, uh, but yeah, uh, no, that's right. No, yeah. No, yeah, no spoiler alerts, man. If you want, if you want to know about the training camp, listen towards the end, and uh, and you know that'll answer all the questions. And be sure to. Uh, let us know ASAP because it's it's filling up quick. Well, Nick, there's another reason to sign up for Patreon though. What's that? You get free. You get a free GDIY sticker. <laughs> Man, I'm glad you finally brought that up. I've been meaning to say this the past couple of weeks. So, if if you signed up for Patreon or requested a sticker some other way, I promise you, we got the stickers out to you. But we've had in the past two weeks the a couple guys reach out and say, we finally got our stickers. And one guy even sent a picture. It was postmarked in March. We sent the sticker out to him and he did not get it until two weeks ago. So I promise you, if if I told you I sent you a sticker, I sent you a freaking sticker. <laughs> That's so weird. Cause it's not like the, uh, the post office has been like center of contention and in, in the news and, and everything like that. Right. I mean, surely an election and a virus doesn't slow crap down, right? But yeah. I mean, heck, back in March, I guess the virus was, you know, starting up back then. But it's just like, really? All right, man. But yeah, I've had I've had numerous people within the past few weeks say I finally got my sticker, but that one was a little ridiculous. The other ones were just like, you know, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, that one was a number of months. So yeah, if if you requested a sticker, I'm letting you know that I sent it out. And if you haven't gotten it, uh please let us know, reach out and uh we'll we'll try and rectify it. Hey, and if you really want a sticker, uh but actually you don't really want it until six months from now, sign up for uh, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That get that delay shipment there going. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, well, real quick. Well, well I was about to say, ahead. Nick, I got a cryptic message from you. What's that? Uh, it was, and I kind of brought it up, and um, this is what you sent me. I don't know if you remember if you sent me <laughs> sent me it. You said, "Wait, I, you were you were smack talking me a little bit for LSU." You said, "Be sure to remind me." <laughs> To tell you, f f <laughs> the effing bird that ruined my day today. I'm gonna kill oh. them all. <laughs> I had a reminder yesterday of why I bird hunt. So like, <laughs> Pam went to work yesterday and she just asked me like, "Hey, can you can you you know do some some of the chores around the house?" Sure, babe. I'll I'll clean up the house. So I I you know I'm I I do my damnedest to be the best husband in the world, right? So I'm mm-hmm. cleaning, having a good old time. As soon as I get done with the floors, though, I go let the dogs out. A bird flew in through the door and just took a crap all (laughs) over the floors and the freshly painted walls and flew back out of the room. I was like, 
I swear to God, just kill all the birds. <laughs> it, it had its middle finger up at you as it was flying yeah. away. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. I was like, yep, that's why, that's why I hunt the birds. And I'm looking at the dogs. I'm like, where were y'all? Really? Where were you on that one? Well, I, I think uh, the birds, especially on your property, kind of know that you're enemy number one for them. <laughs> I guess. That's just, I'd never seen anything like that. But yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. That bird's known as a hero. He came back and they threw a parade <laughs> for him. Yeah, no kidding. Like we got oh. the big red-haired guy. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, I just it, it was unbelievable. It took that quick. They just flew in, took a crap all over the floors, all over the freshly painted walls, and then just bounced them. Just sitting there. Oh, okay. All right. That's, That's how it is. Yeah. So, well, Nick, I'm stuck inside with a baby right now. Uh, yeah. So the only thing that keeps me going mm-hmm. is the GDIY tip of the week. <laughs> Please tell me you got one of those. Yep, we got one. We get we got a message from Steven Zazaro. And uh he kind of a general tip, not not like a real specific how-to tr- tip, but I still like it. Uh he's he, he wrote a big long email telling us a little bit about his story and pretty much it, uh to sum it up, he he would like to throw the tip out that as a beginner, don't be afraid to run your dog in some beginner tests and trials. It's very friendly and great experience or exposure for you and your dog. You may find the dogs connect dots a little quicker. And, uh, it, you know, he put some side notes that he actually found that in the state that he lives in, they don't have a bunch of wild birds, but they have like kind of like release birds and preserves. And he's found that the uh, birds act better during the tests and trials than those state released uh, birds and stuff like that. So he was a little nervous about entering the uh, trial world or the testing world. And he found it to be extremely uh, welcoming and that his dog really took a lot of steps forward on it. So he wanted to just throw that out there that if you're on the fence and you're a beginner, don't be afraid, jump on in and uh, it's a fun time. Well, I think too, I mean, a little bit of that, even if you have a dog that's a little bit older, but you're, you know, you kind of want to get into that. We have friends. I mean, I kind of did it too, but we, you know, our buddy Matt did the same thing where, you know, the NAVDA training days open to everyone, not just, you know, someone with a pup or someone with a dog who's trying to make the invitational, you yep. uh, just show up and hang out. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just a good little reminder from Steven. So appreciate that uh, that input, Steven. And guys, seriously, if you have any good tips, suggestions, uh, hunting-related, training-related, gear-related, uh, just life-related, life uh, shoot them to us. Gundogityourself at gmail.com. Well, uh, with that being said, I think uh, this episode is going to have a lot of good tips and tricks in it. So we might as well get to it. We're about yeah. eight and a half minutes in. Yep, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Search for us under Gundog It Yourself. Uh, be sure to like and share everything that we put out. Please do that for us. You know, Facebook uh, guys, it, it, they're, they're kind of shadow banning us. We have that that bad word gun in the title of our name, and uh, Facebook doesn't like us apparently right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, be mm-hmm. sure to help us out and su- support us Uh on Facebook, if you don't, if you see the post, be sure to hit that like button, and then uh, also hit that download button and subscribe button on uh, whatever platform you're listening on. And uh, hope everybody has a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you later. There you go. See you guys. Picture this: you just finished a long day's hunt, or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over? It's not though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. 
They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, sitting here with Scott Caldwell, about to knock out another episode. We had Good a evening. <laughs> we had a great uh, episode idea, and then we got to talking last night, and Scott brought up an even better one. He he's got a real big issue here. He oh, he, here we go. He, he's realized that he's just gotten to become too good of a trainer i knew that was coming up (laughs) everybody don't believe everything that nick says i'm going to tell you that right now but this is an episode that's kind of pretty near and dear to my heart i've I've struggled with how to do this episode for quite a few months now we've talked about it quite a few times um so i'll I'll just preference this whole episode with guys this is my personal opinion (laughs) take it or leave it and and just leave commentary as you need to. Opin- but I mean, opinions in the dog world is dangerous. It uh, is. It is. So so, kind of sum up what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about you being too good of a trainer, but really that's just, it, that, that's not fair. We're talking a general. Yeah. Training methods have really become so good. Absolutely. Uh, it, it really what it boils down to is, um, and. and not knowing where to kind of how to start this podcast even is uh, what we're talking about guys is how much have training methods improved and because of those training methods and the dogs, how much is that covered up possible genetic flaws and genetic issues with dogs? Yep. Training overshadowing genetics. Right. And it's like you said, it is kind of a touchy subject. Uh, and and really, to me, when people come to me, buddies that are getting involved, uh, it's like I tell them the context of what the dog does or how it tests or how it hunts will tell you more than what just 
what the breeder is telling you right. or, or what a piece of paper is telling you. Context is king in my opinion because you have trainers out there and, and it doesn't even have to be pro trainers. You have enough experienced DIY guys that have been doing it long enough and they learn the right. ins and outs of it that they can really overshadow some of their dog's shortcomings and then right. when they're bred it's i'm not even gonna say it's malicious i don't think a lot of people even intend on doing no. it but they they just say oh my dog you know is great at this but they kind of lose the side of what they had to kind of cover up for lack of a better term yeah it's um and just for clarification everyone is what i'm talking about when we say covering up for genetics i'm not discussing confirmation issues with yeah. like teeth hair coat covering you know they're not getting it, plastic surgery on looks right yeah we're not <laughs> we're not discussing that we're we're talking about the dog's ability to do its job yeah more or less and and how much training uh techniques have improved over the last i'll even say i mean they've been continuously improving probably for about the last 15 years but really in the last 5 years i've noticed a huge increase and, and a huge um, betterment to the organization with just the training methods and people's understanding of training methods and where that's brought some of these dogs. And would you say really just like you said at the start of this, this is all your personal opinion. So again, in your opinion, is this really a matter of people are kind of figuring out better methods or is it really information is more accessible now so more people can get quality information easier than what they could in the past i think it's absolutely that latter i think the training methods have always been there we talked about it before is you know i've been training dogs for a while there's been some other trainers that have been training dogs for a long time and your most successful trainers always seem to kind of get it and understand what it takes to bring the best out of a dog but recently there's been a lot more of like labeling of what that means yeah. and then putting that out, that information out to the general public, either through internet or, you know, books, videos and stuff like that. I mean, YouTube, I mean, if you did a Google search for YouTube videos on dog training, I think there's <laughs> probably about 10,000 of them out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, even within NAVDA, um, and don't shoot me NAVDA friends, the green book up until recently still had methods in there that if your dog gets too far away or doesn't, whoa, shoot the dog, <laughs> shoot at the dog. Um, you know, the old bird dog trainers will tell you that some of the best bird dogs always had a, a load of number nine hidden under their skin yeah. somewhere from, from them stopping them somehow. Yeah. You know, so, um, I've met a few trainers that still live by that. Yeah. 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 Now, so, so with, with topics like this, I, I really like to start at the why, why are we covering this topic? Let's drill it down and put it in terms where your average DIY guy or somebody just getting involved in this or considering to get their dog. Why is this important to, to really accept that this is, it's not an issue, but it's out there. Right. So to me, the, the breaking it down, why it's out there or what, why we're discussing it is um, there's no, we'll call a spade a spade. It's pretty easy in the U.S. to find a German short hair pointer. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this in the past. 
you know, and, and even more so now I'm seeing a lot more of what used to be fairly esoteric breeds, Bonds, French Britneys, um, you know, even some of the other like Wyams and stuff like that. You're seeing more and more of those litters start to show up. You're seeing dogs, you're seeing successful. So I started really kind of asking myself on this. I, this, this is something I kind of took on my, for myself as far as why. Why are we seeing such a resurgence in this now? You know, and what I, what I kind of came to the conclusion on was looking at how these people were talking and we talking to these individuals with, you know, successful VC dogs and successful utility dogs and, and master hunters and stuff like that, talking to the owners it still always came around, oh, man, I had this huge hurdle I had to overcome, but, man, we did it. <laughs> you know, oh, man, my dog wouldn't even swim during during this, and it took me a year to get the dog to do a duck search, a four-duck search, or it took me, you know, six months to finish force fetch or something along those lines. Yeah. And when I really started looking at it and diving into it and asking myself the hard question, okay, is that – that a genetic issue is that something that i would personally in my kennel if i had a dog that it took me six months to get to figure out duck search or took you know an extended period of time to figure out one task yeah is that something that i wanted to perpetuate in my lines and what uh, what i found out was a lot of people were yep my dog passed utility one ready for a litter yeah or my dog's a master hunter, or my dog's a grand champion in the show ring, or something along those lines. But there was never any discussion on what it took to get there, yeah. or the hurdles that they had to get over it. So, um, I'll take it back a little bit. One of the biggest eye-opening things for me, and, and I'm not necessarily promoting a DK dog or a DD dog or anything like that, but uh, the Europeans definitely have a different breeding program. Right. Right. You have to ask permission from your breed warden. Yeah. You have to do all this stuff. You're you essentially to applying to be able to breed. Right. You have to test and stuff like that. But one of the things that really caught me, um, I won't say by surprise, but where it was like, oh, okay. Um, and it was reiterated by a friend of mine, Ryan uh, Burke, who just recently moved to Australia. And they've got bird dogs in Australia. Was that when I was talking to my breeder and we were walking his dogs and stuff, and I was like, man, how long did it take you to teach all your dogs to heal with you as you walk out of the house and go to the field? He looked at me all weird and he's like, Oh, they should do this. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? You didn't train him? He goes, no, they, they should know this. And then I asked that hard question. Well, what, what if they what don't? What else are they supposed to yeah, do? <laughs> well, yeah, that, but I mean, it was like, well, what if they don't? I mean, what if you've just got a dog that's just so much drive and desire, just, you know, wants to go hunt that field? What do you, I mean, do you train the dog? He goes, no, we don't sell those dogs. <laughs> and we don't breed those dogs. Yeah. And that's where it kind of, that's where my journey on this whole thing started was like, okay, all yeah. right. I get it a little bit now. So it, that's where, if you want to say this whole podcast is kind of going down the road is how much are we here in the U.S.? through our refined training methods and our diligence to these dogs and stuff like that. And I don't ever want to take that away from anybody. 
I love and appreciate the hard work everybody does to get their dogs through these tests. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to give them a lot. Well, of you're not really that. taking anything away from accomplishments that people achieve with their dogs. We're talking more in line with really what, what kind of dogs as a community that we're producing and what right. dogs are being bred and, and, be, and what type of dogs they're throwing because it again back to what i was saying context is king and that's that's really why i i think navda has the best pedigree base out yeah. of all the systems that i've seen at least in north america um because it gives you so much context you know when people talk about looking at a puppy they'll they'll message me or text me or whatever and say oh but it only got a, a prize three on the utility i'm like okay but what did it get dinged on Right. What kind of, what age was it? What were the circumstances? What were the circumstances? Did you talk to the owner? You know, most of the time they'll tell you exactly why they got dinged. Uh, And a lot of the times it's from people that don't really train that hard. And so, you know, there's a lot more context to it than just a score on a piece of paper. And, you know, it's like once they kind of see that. And so I love when you get a dog that you know prize two or prize three and then they run it again and get a prize one or you know whatever you can start comparing test over test and that's what i love about the navda pedigree base and the test system is you can really look into it and you you get that bigger painting really right yeah and and that's you know kudos to navda as far as what they're doing as far as that's concerned the 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 testing you know you can really get a good picture of a dog and and what it's capable of doing and stuff um the small downfall of the the navda system and it was never designed to be this is uh they're not a breed regulation organization yeah so they're not looking at you know certain things uh when it comes down to it um and that again kind of goes back to the the crux of the the discussion is is how much are we covering up and how much disservice are we doing to some of these breeds by the training methods that we use that are yeah. really efficient and and our people actually kind of being that honest broker and our breeders being that honest broker with themselves yeah. and saying hey yeah he's a great dog or she's a great dog you know, she's gone this far in NAVDA. Let's go ahead and have a litter so we can, you know, maintain this line. When in reality, they probably ought to really look at it and say, okay, if there was a hurdle somewhere, yeah, especially if it was a reoccurring hurdle. I've got a female right now in my own kennel that is, she's an amazing dog, great dog, beautiful house dog, but she's inconsistent. Yeah. Meaning that, I could test her utility tomorrow and I couldn't tell you which one she was going to fail, what event, <laughs> but she's going to fail one event. <laughs> and then I could test her again Sunday and she would be absolutely perfect in that same event she failed, yeah. but f- fail something else. She's consistently inconsistent. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm having that discussion with myself right now. Is yeah. this something that I want to carry forward in my lines? you know, that inconsistency and stuff. And, and I have to look at, I try to look at the whole picture. Um, Yes. She's got great talent in this. Yes. She's got great talent in that. Did I fail her somewhere in training? You know, did I miss something during training that, you know, I could have brushed up on more. And the one thing I'll openly admit was 
she ended up playing second fiddle to her half sister, Sonia, um, because we had no expectations that Sonia at such a young age was going to pass the utility test with a prize one and then turn around and go to the invitational next year. So when we brought this puppy into our household and we were doing kennel stuff, she kind of took it did back not, seat. yeah, took a back seat, but didn't get the attention that she needed through training, you know, to be the consistent dog that she is Yeah, or isn't, I shouldn't say. So, um, yeah, I, I think that really with the, with today's training methods, and not to beat a dead horse, um, but if you look at how efficient we've become with force fetch. That's with, the example I was going to say is probably yeah, the easiest one with to force fetch. On. You can take a dog nowadays, 90% of the dogs, if you have a, a quality trainer or if you go through the process yourself and you go through the process and you train it to the level like we do in our kennel where – my force fetch is complete when I'm pushing that dog to a 50-yard blind across water. Now it doesn't matter if that dog doesn't have a good duck search because I can always push that dog out. Yeah. So, all right, are we losing independence and desire there? Yeah. For water drive? You know, th- those are some of the things that really kind of, I'll say it, it keeps me awake at night sometimes. And you can see it. There's certain lines that will, that you, I'm not going to call any of them out, but there's NAVDA lines where you look at it and say, that's an amazing bird dog. That dog will hunt prairies, grouse, everything, but will never do a duck search. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Yeah. You know? And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, uh, there's so many things when you're dealing with talking to breeders and trying to figure out your pup and everything. You, you hear, hear that word natural a lot natural retriever natural backer uh right you know it to me when when i talk to a breeder and everything is natural it's like i start there's a voice in the back of my head like okay is it really natural or how much is it fostered in training right and and, but then you like you said it earlier it kind of boils down to honesty and it kind of goes both ways especially within NAVDA. It's like you have people that aren't honest enough with what dogs they have, but then you also kind of get kicked back when you're overly honest about your dogs. Yeah. So like that, that's my instance with Lucy. I've had multiple people talk to me. You need to breed that dog. She's an amazing dog. And I'm like, well, the pointing isn't there that, to where I want it to be. Right. Oh, the, you, you're just being overly critical. And I'm like, right. well, no, the testing system has proven that you can see it. Yeah. Uh, but you, you have so many people willing to just overlook a quality such as important as, you know, good, hard, staunch, unmistakable, convincing point. Right. And they're willing to just kind of brush that aside. So it's like you have to ask yourself, well, if all these people are willing to brush that aside with with that being my dog, what are they willing to brush aside on their own dog? Right. And, and that's one of the things from a breeder perspective, um, and not to get down a genetics, you know, class, is that, you know, uh, we'll take a dog like Lucy, who's not really staunch on planted birds. Right. But like you had said, you know, with, with her working some – wild birds and some getting out here on some woodcock she's really tightened up really well yeah so having that discussion okay if you would breed her 
then I would find the Artist pointingest, point. hardest, <laughs> pointingest, tricking monster you could find. Yeah. Because you're breeding for traits. Yeah. Okay. You're breeding for that perfect dog. Maybe you don't have that perfect dog to start with. Right. You're just trying to create it. <laughs> and, and that doesn't, again, that's not, I'm not going back on what we're saying as far as is, is training covering up for genetic issues. There's a lot of stuff you can do genetically and, and with your breeding program to improve what you guys are doing. But it is a kind of a pitfall when, you know, there's individuals out there that will look at a dog and say, yep, that's an amazing dog. And then take another amazing dog and not pay attention to where maybe those shortcomings were. Right. You know, if you take, obviously, if you take two dogs that have got issues in the water I can probably guarantee you that most of their litter is going to have issues with the water. Yeah. Or we'll say shyness or, you know, sensitivity issues or anything along those lines. And, and again, you know, uh, you can train that out of most dogs. Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. You know, a, a dog that doesn't have a lot of desire and drive. Okay, well, you take dog to the field and you burn up. 200 birds in front of that dog and the next thing you know yeah you got a dog that's hunting at a reasonable range well i mean it goes back to what what does everybody say when there's advising somebody on a pup it's like you find the best genetics that does not guarantee you a great hunting dog or a great bird dog it gives you a good starting point gives you a great starting point because you you can take a, a dog off craigslist you know, you can get a rescue dog. Plenty of people have proven that you can make a quality hunting dog out of those. And there are some superstars that come out of those every it, now and again. It's but statistics. on average, yeah, it's yeah, statistics. I mean, you if, want the if best If you roll point. two dice, eventually you're going to roll double sixes and a 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's exactly what it is. Or you could roll snake eyes six times before you do that. Right, yep. So, uh, yeah, the whole genetic thing and breeding thing is you try to – just like anything else, you try to minimize as much of those, oh, shit, what was that? Yeah. You know, what just happened right there? Why, yep. why is my dog not doing this as much as possible? So, um, yeah, and I think, you know, kind of back to topic is the whole, there's a lot of disservice. I think that there's, I'm not calling out any breeders, guys. Don't think I'm doing that. I'm not calling out a specific breed. <laughs> I'm not calling out anything along those lines. I want lines. your top three list right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want any hate mails from this. Um, <laughs> but I think that your average person, where this is coming from, is is be honest with yourself and what you're looking for. Do your due diligence. Yeah. Just do as much as there's the resources out there for people to train. There's just as many resources out there for finding your first puppy or finding your dog, the right person and companion for your house and your, your hunting home and stuff like that. And, and pay attention to stuff. Yeah. Ask those questions. You know, when you look at NABDA, you can see every test, and what that dog score was at every single test that that dog completed. In and life. not even that dog. But they're litter mates as well. Litter mates or their progeny or like if they've had a litter before or anything along those lines. And if it's a registered NAVDA kennel, they can see every dog that that kennel has produced. Just go look. Pay attention. If you see five out of six dogs that are all utility one or VC dogs in a kennel, 
But then when you go back and look across the scores, every single one of them tested four times in utility to yeah. get to the Invitational, or all of them had, you know, twos and threes and water and stuff. That potentially could be an issue. Right. No, absolutely. And, and so let, let's try and drill it back down. Let's give some specific examples you know I, I would say force fetch is probably the most common one a dog mm-hmm. that does not have retrieve drive uh you can overshadow that with somebody that really knows a good they follow the system they know yep. the steps i mean you can you can make a chihuahua retrieve if you have yep. enough time and and you know the process there's the facebook videos of a bulldog retrieving freaking wood dogs right dude. right yeah. so you know it's like as trying to bring it back to where this is useful information for the average person or just getting started, you know, how can they go about getting that context from their breeder and really kind of deciding, okay, I trust that breeder or not to be honest with what that dog might throw natural and what's not like that to me, that's the hard question right there is it really boils down to how trustworthy is the breeder, right? Uh, to a certain extent. I mean, the, the breeder, here's the big piece of it. And, and again, guys, I'm expecting lots of hate mail from this. Um, is that it really, I think some of what I'm saying is really meant for the breeders to kind of take that hard look inside your own program and see if you're doing the right thing. You know, and, and have that honest discussion with yourself. Uh, you know, am I doing the right thing by what I'm doing with breeding dogs? That doesn't mean do like I did and freaking stop breeding for two years and switch, you know, complete <laughs> bloodlines and yeah. stuff like that. I, I took it to the extreme. But, I mean, have that honest conversation with yourself. Right. You know, just because you own a male and a female doesn't mean that that's a perfect match for the breed. Yeah. and. You know? And so here's another thought. So I, I've kind of advised some buddies recently, uh, one of which is getting a dog from you coming up. So this advice kind of, you're included in this advice. Uh, but again, context, right? Yeah. So, you know, when they were talking to me about the puppies and the breeders they were talking to, uh, they asked, was it any benefit if a pro trainer was the breeder, right? Right. And I told them yes and no. Yeah. Right. You, you have a guy that has experience. They know what they're looking for and what they, what they want out of a dog. But then also you fall into the realm, you know, you have the guy with the experience to know what they're doing and they can overshadow a lot of holes in the, in the uh, genetics. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22. And so, you know, and then I recommended him talk to you about a dog. He's like, well, isn't he a pro trainer? I'm like, yeah, but I know him. I know the context. <laughs> uh, and, and so it was just funny. Like, it's just, just like everything in this world, you say one thing and it could really mean the exact opposite. Yeah. And so it's like, it's very hard to distinguish without the context. And that's why I say, talk to the breeders, not just once, multiple times. See yeah. if what they're saying lines up over time. Meet the parents meet if you the, can. Yes, yeah. go meet see the, the dogs in person. Can. Exactly. Yeah. Do what you need to do. And say, I mean, goes back to, I think I said it in one of the previous podcasts, is, is realistically, every breeder is selfish. Oh, yeah. And, and what I mean by that is exactly what we talked about before is that I am going to breed the dogs that I like looking for the traits that I like and that I'm looking for 
that's going to suit how I hunt and what I do and yep. everything else. That there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you have to make sure that when you're choosing that breeder and stuff that you're kind of your 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 ideologies kind of all line up to a certain extent. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I mean, most people I don't I have sold dogs out west, but I don't get a lot of people from out west buy my dogs because those people know people in their area that have big ranging, hard driven dogs that are yeah. going to be able to work and run, you know, 20 miles in a day and do stuff like that. Well, and it's the golden rule that, you know, newbies are told all the time, find the guy that hunts what you want to hunt and plays the game that yeah. you want to play. And, and, you know, if they do that with their own dogs of what you're wanting to do, it's generally a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah, and that really works. I mean, when we're talking about that, and it it also goes to the training piece of it too, is, is as you get your dog and you, as you develop that hunting companion, you really have to have um, enough of a, I guess, foresight and or preference to when you start identifying some of the holes in training. Have that discussion with your breeder. And let them know that, hey, I'm seeing issues with water or I'm seeing issues with, you know, staunch pointing or I'm seeing issues with uh, desire to pick up game or objects and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's going to help them hopefully improve on their breeding program as yeah. well. And, and again, I mean, to inflate NAVD even more, that's what the NA test is really designed for is giving that yep. feedback back to the breeders it's not a qualifying test, you know. Unfortunately, I, I've gone to so many tests, whether I'm helping out, testing myself, or whatever. And, and unfortunately, there are so many people that think that, oh, my dog passed the NA test. I can breed it now. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been helping people out. The pheasant track, for whatever reason, it's always on the pheasant track. While right. I'm helping out, I'm handing pheasants off to the judges or whatever and so i'm standing next to the people next to me and usually they've already gotten through the field portion and stuff so it's like that that weight's lifted off of them but you there it never fails during the pheasant track you just hear so many people that are running the test to start talking like yeah if i pass this then you know we're, we're on our way we're gonna start breeding you know in the next year right. or so and it's like this is the natural this is feedback for the breeder more right. so than it is a qualifying deal. You know, right. to me, it, the utility in BC, that's right. what that's for. It, it's not like the German system where it's, okay, I passed this test, now I'm qualified to breed my dog. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that goes, you know, when we're talking about the natural ability test and and dogs' capabilities and stuff like that, um, you know, a dog that does well in a natural ability test, that's great. Everybody wants a one. 112 prize one natural ability absolutely everybody wants a 204 prize one utility <laughs> yeah. you know nobody cares what the score is at the invitational as long as you pass right you know what i mean yep so um you know it's one of those things where um you know there's a lot of i, I have a lot of conflict with um how the navda system um, is looking at dogs as a whole 
uh, when it comes to certain aspects of it. And, and I'm an apprentice judge, and I probably get in trouble for this. But <laughs> I was about to say, watch yourself. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that sometimes I think, and this goes to I think the the, the bigger issue that I'm trying to talk about tonight a little bit is um, you rarely see a, a dog have their score adjusted in use of nose. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah. And, and I don't it, think I've ever really like pinpointed that, but now that you speak of that, yeah, I can and, see and that. However, in the German testing system, I'm not promoting one over the other in the German testing system, they have no issues marking down or marking a dog or adjusting a dog score if they notice that there is an issue or a possible issue with a nose. Yeah. And, and what that is, is it's not quality of nose, right? It's not how good does the dog smell. It's use of that nose. It's what's going on from the tip of that dog's nose to whatever is in between that dog's ears telling it to do <laughs> what it needs to do. Yeah. And that's, that's just basic dog like you know i want to say psychology but it's just like okay it's just like a human some people are really good at math right some people are really good at handwriting okay it's not it it doesn't mean the person's dumb because he can't i mean you look at most doctor signatures (laughs) you know or or handwriting i hear this all the time because my wife's a, a nurse and soon to be a nurse practitioner is that she can't read her doctor's own handwriting when he writes her a note to go do something you know (laughs) but clearly he's a doctor yeah you know he's a smart person yeah so but i i think there's a little bit of disservice there within within that organizations and how they look at certain things is i think again it goes back to um and i say this sometimes is, is and a lot of people can relate you can talk bad about my wife and i might be okay with it and we can get by with it or you can talk bad about my truck or my equipment <laughs> or my gear. Man, don't talk smack about my dog. <laughs> you know, I want to know nobody what Kylie's going to think about yeah, that when she turns no, on this podcast. And that's the snippet for the intro. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to hear they've got a bad bird dog. No. Nobody no. does. Yep. This, them's fighting words, man. You know, and, and in today's, you know, how we judge dogs and look at dogs, people sometimes are a little leery to look and look at a handler in the face and say, Hey man, your dog's just not there. Yeah. You know, whether it's a natural ability test or a utility test or, or anything along those lines. And it's not, it's not a judge's job in NABDA to say your dog's not breedable or not. Right. I mean, so it's not their, position to say that yeah. their, their job is to evaluate that dog that day during that day's testing during and that's those just specific one day events. out of the entire exactly. dog's life and, you know exactly so you know to to bring it back around to what we started this with is the methodology some of the training methods have become so efficient that it overshadows some genetic yep possible genetic possible issues. genetic issues so while we're on the subject of testing, and this doesn't have to be NABDA, this doesn't, it can be German, it can be AKC or, or what have you. There are some people that have been doing this for so long, they kind of learn the ins and outs of every section of the test, and they yep. know what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. Yep. And 
it, it, it's it's the process of the test. And so you have a lot of people that I'm seeing that they will train their dogs to pass a test. And while the test is designed to be, you know, hunting quality, and if you pass a utility test, you know, that dog can hunt. Right. But I'm seeing more and more people being able to pass some dogs to where it's like it'll pass a test, but it is not a dog that I would hunt with. Right. Uh, you know, however, however fair and some people can get mad at that all you want. It's like, yeah. it, we've all seen it. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, how do, how do we get around that to where it's just like, the, you if know, the, f- for me personally on that, on that subject specifically is it, it, it does, it's a pet peeve of mine. It drives me nuts when we'll have a training day and we'll have individuals at the training day that literally want to run the test during the training day. Yeah. Every training day that we have leading up to the test that we have. Yeah. Mock test every yep. weekend. Every weekend. Mock test, mock test, mock yep. test, mock test. And, and even to the point where like at the invitational, even like when you're, ta- when you're training an invitational dog, I know a lot of people that spend the entire summer training the invitational. Yeah. Not necessarily the tasks involved in the invitational. You do have to train some of the tasks, but I mean, it's literally like they will take every weekend, every other weekend and run the, the invitation. Yeah. Yep. They'll do their brace work. They'll do their blind. They'll do their double marks. They'll do all of this stuff. They'll basically run the test as opposed to kind of really breaking it down to the task. Right. Okay. Um, and with, with some of that, I mean, there is utility in that. You are training. It's just like anything else. You, yeah. you train somebody to do a task, a task, a test. They're going to get efficient at that task and that test. But then what happens when you take them out of that element? Right. You know, the, the best advice I give all my puppy owners or prospective puppy owners is, you know, when we talk about NAVDA and we really promote NAVDA uh, within the kennel is, you know, when I, well, I'm not into that field trial thing. I'm not into yeah. that competition thing. And my only response to them is, okay, what are your goals for the dog? And inevitably, everybody says the same thing. Well, I want him to go hunt ducks with me in the morning and retrieve this. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, I want him to go hunting birds with me and, and do this and, and retrieve my birds for me. And I said, well, do you want him, how, how steady do you want him? Well, I don't want him to stay to go until I send him. Yeah. My simple answer is, look, train to the utility level. If you look in the Ames book and break down what it takes to be a, a utility dog at that level, if you train those tasks, the tasks, and train it to where it understands those tasks, you're going to have every bit of the dog that you want. It doesn't mean train the test. Yeah. It means train those tasks. And whether you test the dog or not, that's completely upon you. Yep. You're still going to have one of the best dogs you've probably ever owned if you just train to that level. You know, and... Um, it is. I think it's a little prolific right now, especially with a lot of the emphasis on, you know, the dogs are doing better. They the, are. The genetics have gotten better with well, the, some like of the Every year programs. we're having more and more invitational yep. 
passes yeah, more and more dogs going year. to the invitational you know at some point it's like they're gonna have to come up with an even higher level <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i hope not god do I hope not. <laughs> then you got to requalify all your dogs yeah. like once a decade you know the invitational for all invitational dogs or something uh but no, i mean i've trained with people like that and i've been yeah. guilty of it to some extent to where you know i realize i'm training for a test as opposed to really just training my hunting dog and but you know my prime example is, is duck search you know my, my first utility test run with rachel is i had a few training partners that they just they wanted to go do duck search training right every weekend but they only wanted to do it on the water that we were doing the duck search portion the of test the test time. yeah and they didn't see the value in doing duck search on other wa- pieces of water. Right. And different looks and even different launch points on that yeah. body of water. It's it, it was all about, well, I heard that they always launch from here on the test. I'm like, well, you know, if the wind direction changes, they'll change the launch point supposedly. It, it just, and, and it's like we got sucked into a vacuum that summer because, you know, half the training group, wanted to test or train on that test just because they felt like it gave them a competitive advantage. Right. And then we get to test day and one guy's saying that he failed the duck search because he never got to run the duck search on that specific piece of water. Right. And so it's like, if in my opinion now, a few years later, it's like if you properly train the duck search, you should be able to go out in theory to any body of water and right. perform the duck search as well as the genetic piece. Yes. If, yeah. if the dog has the desire, independence, and and just overall mindset that it, it, uh, it's just terrain. It's just yeah. different terrain. Yeah. You know, most dogs, let's be realistic, most NAVDA dogs, most hunting dogs and stuff, you take them to a field. A field's a field's a field. Right. Yep. A swamp should be a swamp should be a swamp. Yeah. You know, and so if you get a dog, then it becomes more of a patterned training, like what we call like a pattern blind. You know, you put a pile of bumpers out 100 yards and you send your dog on the first bumper and they retrieve it and they come back. Well, the next six retrieves, yeah, it's a blind. The dog doesn't see the bumper, but it's a pattern blind because the dog knows there's something out there now. Right. You know, he just ran to a pile of bumpers and he's like, hey, cool. All right. I'll be right back, guys. Don't move. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, it, it's there is a lot of that aspect. In it, and I can't count how many people I talk to or just individuals I know personally that have passed a UT1 dog or a utility dog or a VC dog. And like six months later, they try to go do an AKC Master Hunter yeah. test or nastra or anything else and the dog can't even you know the dog's busting birds right the dog's doing this dog the dog didn't forget how to do something in six months it's just one either not been reinforced or initially it wasn't probably trained properly it was just probably trained to specifically that test yeah so again that goes back to here you have a dog that might be lacking in some core genetical skills that it requires but now it's a VC or a utility or something like that. And it's like, Oh, cool. You know, we got a one year waiting list for whoever, <laughs> you know, on yep. our next breeding. So, so, I mean, really out of, out of this, this topic and this entire conversation, 
kind of like everything else that we talk about, we kind of get in our own ways in everything yep. within this world. And, and it's like, whether it's us not being honest about the dogs that we have, if we're not being honest about what we're truly having to overcome right. with our dogs and our training program to even being honest about why we're training and what we're training for, you know, it's like, is that, is that really what we're talking about this entire episode right. is just be honest, yeah. <laughs> just tell uh, the truth, be, be the, be the honest broker, whether you're a breeder, whether you're a trainer, whether you're a, a dog owner, you know, it's going to help you. I mean, if you take a realistic look at it, it it's going to help you one, be a better, whatever trainer, breeder, handler and it's your dog's gonna be better at the end of the day right if you if you take an honest approach to how you're training your dog and what your dog's shortcomings are or not you're going to be able to figure out how to come over those a lot faster you know and that's just it if you don't know the shortcomings what do you know what to work on right And, and you know it's just i get hit on people all the time because they again i talked about it earlier they feel like i'm too hard on my dogs and it's just like guys i'm not bashing my dogs i love my dogs but i always know that like to get better i have to know what we're actually making better and i'm not going to take what they're great at to make better i want to i want to cut off the weak link here let's make that better and go from there. Look, I have no doubt you love your dogs. <laughs> I just walked downstairs and saw your freaking coon hound with a blanket and a pillow on a couch. Okay. That was I have not my no doubt time. you love your dogs. All right. <laughs> and my short hair was in your lap for the first half of this. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're Rachel. Rachel was. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. What, but, what's yeah. that? Uh, I forget that guy that did the bird dog shows for the longest time on Outdoor Channel. Or it's like you don't spoil your bird dog, and it was always ended with that dog curled up in the bed with him <laughs> or somebody else's lap or something like that. Oh yeah. No. No. I mean, so so really, that it, this whole episode just kind of boils down to be honest. That's yeah. that's really it. Yeah. Be be realistic and and don't. It's kind of one of those things sometimes where. You know, a lot of people don't like hearing the hard truth, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to be mean about it. If you're a judge, no. if you're a trainer, if you're a, you know, somebody else that's helping a training partner, yep. you know, the, like I said, the last thing anybody wants to hear is their dog has an issue. Oh yeah. Whatever that issue may be. The last person, you know, it could be coat, it could be teeth, it could be, you know, um, just anything. Nobody wants to hear, all oh, your dog's got an issue. <laughs> yeah. You know, but to be honest, you know, you can, you, you can talk to somebody and not have to be, well, your dog's knucklehead. Yep. You know, no, you can be say, Hey, okay. Clearly you have a hurdle. <laughs> clearly you have a small issue here. Yep. This is how we can work on it. Or this is what we can do or, you know, it, but be honest about it. Yeah. You know, don't try to sugarcoat the fact that, Oh, I've got a dog that's got a really soft point. So I guess I just need more birds or I just, you know, something (laughs) happened that this and this and this. So, and it goes into the training aspect for me personally, like we had a listener question today. Yep. Right. Um, Where you have to ask yourself at what point did this dog learn this behavior? You want me to read the question? Throw it out there. Absolutely. Cause uh, I think you talked to him and uh, he was he was saying, yeah, throw it on the podcast. Yeah. Will 
asks, I have a nine-month-old chocolate lab. He is force-fetched on and off the table, and we've been working force or drive to the pile. He understands the task and was doing very well. As soon as we started adding more distance to it, he has developed avoidance issues. Distracted, won't leave his place or in the way to the pile, or once there, he'll refuse to pick up the bumpers and will either come back with a, without one or will just walk away from them. He's tried to switch into a ladder method with little success. Any advice? And then he threw in that, you know, he's a client of yours. So I was like, well, <laughs> heck, I'm not answering that. I'm just going to throw it to Scott. So uh, here, here's here's how that ties into the whole honesty thing. So, uh, yeah, Will uh, brought me his dog, Lewis, uh, Chocolate Lab. Nice little dog. Um, Lewis, uh, because of a few things, Lewis only was going to spend about, 45, 50 days with us. And um, so we talked to the will and we, we set goals. Okay. What's your goal for the dog? What's yep. this? What can we do? And we were very honest with him with what can we do in 45 days with your dog? As any pro trainer should, should be, be doing. Yes. You know, I, I it just boils my Don't blood. Don't promise the, the world yeah, if you can't it deliver. It boils my blood when I hear that there's people out there that say, yeah, I can dead break your dog in 30 days. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm like, holy crap. What dude. shortcuts are you taking and exactly. causing issues elsewhere? Exactly. So, um, Lewis spent probably the first couple of weeks, first two to three weeks, just learning obedience. What What's his role in life and everything else? And then we started force fetch with the dog. Mm-hmm with the anticipation that Will would continue the force fetch. Um, we had no issues in any of the obedience training and the initial start on force fetch, no issues. But then as we started the drive to pile, we noticed there was starting to be a few avoidance issues. Yep. So the honesty piece on that is, is where did that come from? Because we didn't create it during the short training sessions that we were having with the obedience piece. So, you know, at what point during that dog's, you know, life, puppy life, living with, you know, him and his wife, did he learn that, okay, this is how I avoid getting out of doing something I don't want to do. Yep. You know, and so for Will, you know, we had that honest discussion this afternoon. We did talk. And, uh, you know, the the solution to something like that with, with that dog specifically um, is you've got to really pay attention to the dog and make the decision as far as, okay, do we push through? And, you know, do we use a little more pressure to get what we're asking the dog to do? Or do we just kind of take a break for a second? Yeah. And my suggestion to him, which is um, not the norm, especially when you're in force fetch and you're starting this whole drive the pile thing, was take a break. Yeah. Take about two weeks. Make it fun for him again. He's still a young dog. He's, yeah, what, nine eight, nine months, months old? Yep. Take a break. Make it fun for him again because this this behavior only was manifesting after he'd taken the dog out and done two or three iterations of retrieving, and then the dog would all of a sudden start avoiding. Well, to yep. me, that's just a huge sign of it's not an avoidance. It's boredom. Yep. I don't like what you're doing. And then he's still got that puppy mindset too. He's not going to, he's not going to retain that, that attention span for very long, even at nine months old. It's better than obviously four months old, but it's still a young pup. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you can get just as much done uh, doing four 10 minute sessions a day 
as you could one 40 minute session. Yep. No. So, uh, yeah, Will, thanks for the question, man. I mean, keep plugging at it. Yeah. Lewis is going to be fine. <laughs> going to be fine. Have that honest discussion between you and your wife. You know, <laughs> where did this come from? Who, who started this? Who created this? Right. Uh, well, no. that means go blame her and tell us no, how that works no, out. No. But it's, it, it is, there's these dogs, um, not to tie digress into a training piece of it, but these dogs are such good readers of just like our body language, the yeah. tones of our voice, the, how we do just daily life. And they fit into it and they figure out their own role. And, and that's what it, it kind of brings it back to what we've been talking about all night is there are some guys out there that they just, they know dogs. They, they've been doing it. They've seen enough dogs. They've put their right. hands on enough dogs to where they're just even killed and they know how to, I don't know if manipulate is a fair word for it, but it, I mean, that's really what they're it's, doing. It's really what it is. It's yeah. shaping. It, it's, it's just shaping, shaping behavior. The dog. Yeah. And, and you know, the dog might have a genetic shortcoming, but you know, we've all seen that guy that can make something out of nothing in yep. a lot of lot of instances. And there's, <laughs> there's, well, I'll name names on this one. Uh, <laughs> get ready for the emails. So there's there's a story that um, Mark Whalen talks about where uh, Chip Bondi had a dog that. There did not pass the utility test was, I think, probably, and I'm no different because I've got the same score on one of my dogs. I think it was like a 133 no prize utility dog. Yeah. And so um, Clyde invited Chip up to train with him for like two weeks before their next test. Yeah. And Mark was like, I know you're good and all, but let's be real okay <laughs> and, and and Clyde had actually been like hey look this is what if, if I do this or if this happens he goes I want you to you know kiss my ring or whatever the whole nine yards <laughs> long story short is Chip passed that dog two weeks later with a utility one score yeah and Mark had to like present <laughs> and there's just there's this whole big ring thing that's been going around those guys for a while and some pictures and some other things. But that's exactly it. You know, Clyde knows how to look at a dog, figure out what that dog's doing, what that dog's telling him to do, and then kind of manipulate the behavior to get what they're looking for. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, a lack of genetics or not a lack of genetics, and I'm not beating up on his genetics by all means because he's amazing at what he does. Yeah. But that's some of the stuff that you have to really think about. Yeah. As you're you're going through this stuff. And not saying everybody's dog is bad, guys. Seriously. (laughs) Not saying everybody's dog is genetically flawed because it's a late pointer or anything along those lines. I, I just wanted to bring to light that, Obviously, in the United States, it's free reign to breed whatever you want to breed. Yep. Let's put it that way. I mean, anybody with any two cents or whatever can breed whatever dog that they want to whatever dog they want. And believe it or not, (laughs) yeah, believe it or not, there's actually a market for it. Mm -hmm. There's guys out west that are selling short hair lab mixes 
at a crazy phenomenal freaking price as yeah. a designer quote hunting dog. Yeah. Is that the right way to do it? I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to judge. Well, I mean, the fit, this still. goes back decades. I mean, this isn't new. I mean, what yeah. was it back in, I mean, decades ago, didn't the field, uh, field dog stud book. And if I get this wrong, guys, don't wear me out, but I'm pretty sure the field dog stud book kept track of, uh, the drops. Yeah. The, the setter pointer mixes, right. Yeah. And, and you know it's like this has been around for for much longer than just the past 10 years and if you talk to anybody in the southeast they will swear up and down that english pointers were mixed bred into the field trial short hairs yeah absolutely absolutely mixed into the short hairs yep and there's no way of really telling genetically at this point <laughs> because it's it's probably so i don't want to say diluted out but i mean you can tell a difference yeah you can definitively tell the difference. All you got to do is look at Rachel and look at Falco. Yes. Prime example. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Falco is the uh, great Dane that Scott pretends is a DK <laughs> or GSB. And yeah. Rachel is, you know, the size of my small Munstie over here. And, <laughs> yeah. and when you've got a 78 pound short hair and a 35 pound yep. short hair standing next to each other, <laughs> you can't tell me somebody was mixing something somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, um, yeah, it goes back to exactly what you're saying. Just, just be honest with yourself. If yeah. you're a breeder, if you're a trainer, if you're a handler, you know, just look at what you have and, and be honest with it. And I'm not saying, oh, if you see an issue, oh, I got to get rid of my dog and find something else. <laughs> we got to put her down. Yeah, we got to put her down. But don't be that person that is like living in a condo and you bought a female and you're looking for a male to stud it out to yeah. or, or, or vice versa, you yeah. know, because you got a natural ability prize one or something, Yeah, you know, um, just be responsible. You yeah. Know, I guess that's the biggest thing. Just be responsible in breeding. Be responsible, be honest. Yeah. And, and you know, just remember all somebody has to do to get their money back on a litter is put the word oodle at the end of it right gosh <laughs> can we do a gsb oodle <laughs> we can figure it out german short poodle <laughs> all i heard was a hyperallergenic pointer that's all i heard i heard that was a griff <laughs> <laughs> man we really are gonna get the hate mail after oh yeah this one. guys hey if, if nobody knows um we've kind of pseudo become like these southeast training center of excellence for griffons i see more griffons in my kennel than I do any other breed of grip. Yep. I love griffons. They're fine. I pick on them, though. So, Oh, yeah. That's part of the fun. Well, uh, you know, we talked about training methods and everything that will possibly overcome some genetic uh, shortcomings. So if you want to learn how to some of these training methods, <laughs> it's uh, we've been getting hit up a lot here lately about the uh, training camp come have spring. We, have we got 20 yet? It's pretty much right there, guys. So, oh, like, man. After we break this down, if you want involved in this, you you need to let us know now. Do uh, you want to kind of lead it off? Sure. Uh, this has kind of been a long time coming. It's it's kind of funny because this training camp has been my entry into GDIY, if you will. <laughs> this is what started the relationship. This is what started the the disaster, if you will. Um, it, yeah, when I approached um, Nick and the guys well over a year ago now almost. Has it been a year? I want to say it, it's been right at a year, I think. Right. The The biggest piece was that I, we offered 
you know, we wanted to do something different than what we've done in the past for other, other organizations. We didn't want to do the publicity hunt. We didn't want to do anything like that. And with keeping in line with GDIY, we all discussed and we came up with that we would have some sort of a dog training event. Yep. So we have finally kind of solidified and um, organized that we will have our spring training camp um, down at our facility in North Carolina. Uh, We are doing our absolute best to bring in some of the better known individuals, I'll say, in the dog training world, (laughs) Uh, keeping in mind that it's people that we all know, you know, within the podcast and within the NAVDA circle. So we've got Grayson coming in. Uh, and Grayson's going to work and teach and and work uh, obedience. Yep. We have Kyle Huff coming down from Pennsylvania uh, to discuss uh, steadiness. Yep. And then I'll be doing the force fetch and duck search section of it. Yep. Uh, but long story short is it's going to be a full weekend. Uh, we want people, if there's 20 people, we want 20 dogs. Yes. Bring your dogs if you can. So to to piggyback off that, we're going to kind of do this as a round robin. This is not yep. one of those you just line it up and one day you're knocking out because there's there's so much information and importance of, of all of these. Uh, so it's kind of like you're going to one day spend half a day with Grayson yep. learning the ins and outs of obedience. And this is more than just teaching your dog how to go into a crate or to sit. Like he, yep. he Grayson has a very good grasp on behavioral theory, yep. operant conditioning. You're going to learn the whys of obedience and how your dog learns. And then you're going to move on into a half a day of steadiness. And then you're going to have a full day of force fetch going straight into duck search. Right. You're going to get full on attention with your dog and actual lessons hands on with your dogs, with these trainers. Uh, and so it's not just, you know, show up, you get a, a four-hour pl- pretty much yeah, lecture, PowerPoint, PowerPoint, lecture on and then what leave. you think you should do with your dog. No, yeah, yeah. Th- this is actual interaction with the trainer, with birds, with your dog. Yep. And uh, even if your dog is not at the point to where it's ready for force fetch or it's ready for duck search or it's ready for steadiness, you're there with your dog and you're still going to learn what you're going to need eventually yep. with it. And so yep. what you're saying is we're looking for, we're trying to keep it around 20 dogs. Right. And, uh, what we talked about doing, hold on, I get the notes here somewhere. I was going to say, we're going to release the whole. Oh yeah. We're, we're gonna, good deal. Yeah. We're, this we're is the official, this is the official launch. Yeah. So it's going to be April 23rd through April 25th. Yep. And we already went through the people, uh, Meals and birds are included in the price. Yep. Uh, Patreon patrons, we're going to take 10 patrons at $150 per dog. Correct. And if you're a non-patron or you're a patron, but you're after the first 10, it's going to be $250. Correct. And then after that, I mean, that's your birds, that's your meals and everything. After yep. that, it's just lodging on your, on your end. Yep. That, lodging really and travel it. on your own. Yep. Lodging yep. and travel on your own. Uh, we're, we're, we'll also do an alternate. If you got a wife or kid that wants to come do it as a family, then it'll just be a hundred dollars 
a piece for yep, them for the additional person. Yes, that's yep. it. So potentially here, guys, is it, it's it's limited to twenty dogs, but we could have as many as forty people. Right. You know, so, um, and I want everybody to to really understand is that these are you know it's a lot to get this many. I'll, I hate you. You know me. I hate using the whole pro trainer, <laughs> you know, the pro trainer terminology. I'll say experienced trainers. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get the schedule sync to have yeah. this many experienced trainers pulled together that all have the very like mindset in training dogs. Yeah. So like what you hear come out of Grayson's mouth, what you hear come out of my mouth, what you hear come out of Kyle's mouth it shouldn't be completely different. Yep. It's going to be like, this is what needs to happen. And this is why, and this is what builds off of whatever you learned yesterday. So like, you know, understanding the obedience piece and why place board is important, you know, why this is important for steadiness, why a table is important for force fetch. It's all going to kind of tie together. It's not going to be, okay, I'm going to go get Grayson's perspective. I'm going to go get Kyle's perspective. I'm going to get Scott's perspective. Now I got to figure out how to pull it all together. Yeah. It should be a weekend that you walk away from going, wow, okay, I'm full because I just drank from a fire hose, but <laughs> it all made sense. Right. You know, it all ties together. I mean, the, this this weekend, literally, if you come down here and, and, and you pay attention and you, and you learn from these guys, you can leave with the with the arsenal and, and tools in your toolbox to train your versatile dog, at least to the utility at level. At least to the utility level. Yeah, I mean it, it's got everything in there from your obedience, steadiness, force fetch, and duck search. Yep. So uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna fill up fast because we've been ta- taking names for yep. people that are interested. But it's it's one of those uh, we really need to figure out how we're taking the the money and everything but it's like once it fills up for the dogs it fills up yeah uh i mean it's it's limited capacity and that's what we've been saying so if if you're interested like don't wait you really need to are we starting the official list now like are we saying from tonight forward send us your information and that you're going to attend and yes like if you send me your information i'm gonna need to know that it is a hard yes that you're coming. This isn't okay. a maybe put me down. Uh, the people that have been putting on the wait list, they were emailed uh, that, you know, this episode's coming out on Monday night, Tuesday morning. I'm going to s- sending them an email probably Friday night, Saturday. And that gives them yep. the opportunity to confirm. Yes, I'm going sign me up. Uh, but yeah, so if you're interested, you know, reach out. And if we got, got a slot for you, you know, we'll, we'll get you in there, but yeah, the fir- first 10 patrons, uh, that sign up $150 and then the 10 after that $250, each additional person, hundred dollars. And that's birds and meals included. We're not looking to retire out off of this. That is just the cost of what it takes to run something like yep. this. That's a yep. ton of birds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a piece of that everybody needs to understand is that we're going to do you know, there's, we know that there's going to be people that are going to bring dogs that aren't quite ready for duck search yet. Right. But we're going to have a duck for everybody. Yeah. Even if we do intro to duck search. 
Yeah. What does that mean? You know, or search behind the duck, if you will. Yeah. Um, same thing for the field stuff and the steadiness. Yep. You know, maybe your dog's not quite ready for that point, but we're going to have birds on hand so that when we start talking, okay, this is how you start your steadiness or this is what we need to do for that. And, and again, even if your dog is not ready, you're getting a very small class, almost, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting plenty of time with these experienced pro stars that Scott likes to call himself right now. Uh, (laughs) You're getting that time to where you get to see them interact with numerous dogs at all kinds of different levels. Right. So again, it kind of, kind of lends itself to the NAVDA program at the training day. You can learn more by helping and watching other people's dogs than what you can on your own dog. And so even if your dog is, seven months old and maybe it's not ready for full-on steadiness it's not ready for force fetch and duck search you know you're gonna have the tools to be able to start when you are exactly yeah and you're gonna have plenty of reps with your dog anyway because just because it's not ready for steady to fall maybe kyle's gonna be there and he's gonna set you on a hell of a head start that i didn't have great glide path (laughs) you know it's um the other kind of really cool thing that you know even when i talked to kyle about this and this is one of the things being from a trainer perspective, what that we actually enjoy, believe it or not, is that we're going to see 20 different dogs. Yeah. With possibly 20 different issues. Yeah. Okay. You could have some that are weak in duck search. You could have some that are weak in steadiness. You could have some that are weak, you know, wherever. And, and you're going to hopefully come away from this so that, yeah, your dog might be great on the force fetch table, but then where are we at in duck search Yeah, and watching other dogs go through that process and, and people in your group go through those same hurdles or maybe different hurdles and stuff like that. It's going to be a wealth wellspring of knowledge. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. So again, jump on it. You know, the slots might be already taken at this point, but uh, you know, if you're interested, reach out, reach out. Gundog at yourself at gmail.com. And uh, if there's a spot, you know, I'll probably get a waiting list going too, just just for the heck of it. And uh, we will, uh, I just do want to caveat, we are working with a local hotel to be able to block off a set of rooms at a reduced rate for everybody as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to keep this in the understanding of just like we said, Gundog it yourself. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people out there that can't spend three days in North Carolina, you know, X amount of dollars and the whole nine yards, but they have an amazing dog. They want to get to where it needs to be. So we're trying to keep the cost as absolutely minuscule as possible. Nobody is making any money on this. Yep. It is truly just to cover the cost of the uh, running the operation. For sure. And there's no telling. I mean, besides the training and the hanging out and eating meals and everything, there might be a few surprises for the people that attend that. Uh, there too. might be. There might be. Uh, but we'll, we'll leave that for another day. And, and uh, yeah, don't don't wait. If you're interested, let me know. And, guys, we appreciate it. We ran a little long. But uh, I'm looking forward to finally getting this camp underway. And uh, it's going to be fun. Absolutely, brother. Always a pleasure. Yep. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. 
If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukonuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.